Thanks for being with us. I'm excited that you're here. I'm a bit jazzed about this morning, and that's a good thing. Uh, but be worried. Because I feel like I've been chewing coffee beans since 6 o'clock this morning. And you know what that's going to do to a guy like me. So uh, I thought at the start, just so you can get on my wavelength, because like sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm on a coffee bean high, just as an example, I'm not saying I am, but let's say I'm there, and then I'm like trying to get you up there, and sometimes that doesn't go so well. So I'm going to start like that, all right? So I'm warning you, we're going to warm ourselves up, like we're going to limber up for what God's going to do this morning. Is that okay? You look nervous, but that's okay, all right? So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to teach you to be Pentecostal, right? Because when I go to conferences, I hang out with weird people. Not all the time, but sometimes. And like when they agree with the preacher or they agree with the Word of God, they actually stand up. And they go, amen, preacher. And sometimes they really like what the guy's saying or the girl's saying, and they go, oh, yes. So I need you to warm up this morning. All of you, come on. There we go. You might think I'm hyping you up in the way I am, but come on, you've got to be ready to receive the Word of God. There we go. There we go. Come on, man. You know, like, you want to come to some of the churches I go to, it's like even I get weirded out sometimes, you know, but we've got to stretch ourselves to receive what God's got for us. And I know you always agree with what I preach, but sometimes I don't know that. Oh, okay. Maybe that's an assumption I won't go too far in, but like, I know you, you know, oh, I was going to say you enjoy it. Sometimes, you know, you, you don't leave. Well, you don't leave, Like not many of you leave. And you sit there and go, oh, that's great. Oh, I really like that. That's not going to help me this morning. So can I get an amen in the house? Yeah. All right, okay. You are warmed up. I'm happy about this. At this end of the year, in our church, we speak about vision. And we've been speaking about vision this past three or four weeks. And the purpose of this is for us as leadership to present to you, I suppose, what we feel God's leading us into um, practically. And it's always anchored in what we believe God said to us as a church. And we take that very, very seriously. But there's a practical outwalking to that, you know? And, and so that's what we're doing um, at this end of the year, and that's what I'm going to do today. Um, last week, Ashley shared a prophetic picture that God had given her surrounding what she felt was the, 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 the space we're in as a church. And she shared from Genesis 37, the beginning of that chapter where where Jacob gave to Joseph a gift. Who remembers what that gift was? A coat of many colors. And, and Ashley said that prophetically, it was like a, she remember she said a rema word of God, a, a thought that God had given her that she felt was really relevant for us. And she said, this coat, this cloak of many colors represents the mantle that God has put on our church, that we're like a, a Joseph church. Do you remember? Okay. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. If you haven't seen that, then you can you can like um, you can watch it on the on the live stream, or you can listen to it on the podcast, or grab our church app and and grab that message to hear prophetically. Just even the beginning of that, what what Ashley was was releasing that she felt the Spirit of God was giving to us as a gift. So it's like this coat of many colors, and this is a this is a mandate. She said a multicolored mandate 
for our church. It described what God had put upon us. But here's, here's, here's where I want to start with that. You've got to choose to wear it. You've got to choose to come under it and put it on your shoulders. You've got to choose to live inside the mandate that God's given us as a church, or you're just not going to see the fruit of it. Does that make sense? You've got to walk. You've got to strut. You've got to know that God's done something. Um, I'm going to use Rainier. He's not here. He's probably working or sleeping. <laughs> but um, Rainier's a good friend of mine. And, uh, but nine years ago, when I first met Rainier, he moved up from Christchurch. I first met him. And um, at that time, Rainier did not have the power or the authority to arrest me if I was going fast or breaking the law. <laughs> but Rainier now has a different mandate on his life because, as many of you know, Rainier has trained and graduated and is uh, a local police officer in the Tiaomudu police team. Is probably where he is right now. Should have got him in here in his uniform. He looks awesome in his uniform. He could pepper spray, Alina. Maybe not. Anyway, but <laughs> who said amen to that? But, but my point is Rainier now walks in a different mandate when he's in the community wearing his uniform. He's been trained, equipped, and given a mandate by the New Zealand government to operate, to enforce the law, and to preserve life. And he walks in that mandate, and he walks differently than he did when I first met him. So now if I do speed, or Jeff Baker's speeding, then he's going to chase after Jeff Baker. All right? It's just a different mandate, right? The point is, we've got a mandate God's given us as a church. We've got to choose if we're going to walk in it. You've got to choose if you're going to walk in it. And today I'm going to speak about what that means, and I'm going to show you what it might look like. There's a multicolored mandate. What, 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 what mandate have we been given as God's children? What are some of the things that the Scripture says to us? We've just sung a whole bunch of them. But what would be some of the Scriptures that come to mind that are our mandate as God's children? Those of you that have confessed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord, have been adopted into God's family, what does that mean? You don't get a badge, but what does it mean? Righteousness is our, is our portion in Christ. Absolutely. What else is our mandate? We have the power to heal because of the declaration of Jesus Christ. We have the Great Commission as our job description. Go into all the world and preach and teach and baptize. What else? Speak out. I can't hear you. To speak life over people's situations like we just sung. Yes, Doug. When you see someone that needs help, Help them. That's exactly what it looks like. We have a mandate to be practical. Chris. Come on. Amen. You can't find the answer. Read the word. That's exactly right. We have a mandate to praise and to worship God. If we don't, even the rocks will cry out. We're going to walk with that mandate. We're going to walk like we're his disciples and his children to intercede, to pray for, to petition God for the needs and the, and the salvation of those whom, whom we see. To shine light in the darkness, absolutely. It's awesome. Eh? To prophesy and release those things of God. The Word of God says we're a new creation. No longer would the old drive us, but the new. You know, we're full of the Holy Spirit. We've got a purpose and a destiny. 
We've got to walk like that. We've got to live like that. We've got to understand that that's our mandate as God's children. I can only imagine Joseph, one of the youngest in his family, gets a special coat from dad. And I bet that boy strutted. I bet he's got some sass while he's walking around the house. Look at me. I got the coat. I got the special prize. Didn't go so well for him, but I bet he strutted. (laughs) I bet he walked differently. I bet he felt different. I bet he behaved different. You read this and you see that God's given us a mandate. And as a result of it, we need to act differently. Here's a key point. Let me, let me give this to you. When you choose, oh yeah, yeah, come back. Here you go. When you choose to accept the mandate God has given you, he responds with an invitation into the future he's prepared for you. If you don't accept the mandate, why is he going to give you the future? Because you don't have the, you're not going to carry it. This is, a, this is a good thing. It's an exciting thing. It's an invitation. And we see this, so I'm picking up from where Ashley left off last week. She left off at the, at the end of that Rima word. She talked about this multicolored mandate that Joseph got. Well, guess what happened next? He received the coat, and he had a dream. It's in the story. One night, verse 5, Genesis 37, for those of you taking notes. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him. Like I said, it didn't go well. But he said, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the fields tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low down before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more. Mm, really. They hated him because of this. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers, he's strutting. He's got the sass on now. He's like, come on, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars all bowed before me. This time. He told the dream to his father and as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come to the ground and bow before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream means. Let's not miss the key point right at the start here. God has given us a mandate, a multicolored mandate as a church. Why? Only God knows. But we believe he's given us a mandate, that we're to walk in that mandate. And when we believe and agree in the mandate God's given us, then underneath that, we will operate in the ability to receive dreams from God that lead us in the path of our life. This is the the way we lead our church. The elders get together and understand and wrestle with to understand what God has said to us as a church and those things that we've tested and we believe to be true, we move in. And you can too. When you receive that revelation of the mandate that you have as a child of God, and you start walking like it, God says, hey, I'm going to show you a dream. And it becomes that prophetic invitation into the future that God's given you. And we see this in Joseph. Joseph teaches us these things. What's the first thing he teaches us? Dreams give us a prophetic picture of our future. So God will come in response to you walking in your mandate, and he'll say, hey, son, hey, daughter, and he'll start to stir your heart or he'll show you things. And um, like, I don't get dreams like Joseph does, but I know many people that do. But he might speak to you through a friend. He might, um, we've had situations in this church where someone just has got impacted by something in, in, the, in the service, not even really what I was saying sometimes, but God 
impacted them and they've come up saying, oh, I've just, heard, I've just felt this thought or I've got this idea and I need to process it. What is, what is it possible that God is saying to me? And that's God speaking to his people in response to the environment. So God will give you a prophetic picture of your future when you walk in your mandate. Secondly, and Joseph shows us this, dreams from God incite a reaction from other people around us. Now, reaction can be positive. You would say amen to that. But it's not always positive. And, and in verse 8, it says, his brothers chastised him and ridiculed and mocked him. It's true what Ashley said last week. People do think I'm crazy sometimes, what I say. Timing's everything, guys. And the truth is, sometimes I think I'm crazy for believing what God says. There's a reaction, we've got to wrestle with it. But let me say it this way. In relation to this story and to our family, don't miss the point that the first attack Joseph received was from his family. The last thing I want to do when leading our family into the future is to be wrestling against my brother or my sister. That does deserve an amen. The third thing that Joseph shows us, and we only know this because we've read the end of the story, and that is that dreams come and promises come to strengthen us with hope when the tough times come and they will come. Joseph had some challenges. But what I believe to be true, it doesn't say it explicitly in the text, but you read the story. What I believe to be true, that even when he was in the pit, even when he was in the prison, Joseph believed those things God had said to him, and it sustained him through the challenge. How do I know that? Well, even in the prison, he's using his God-given gift to interpret dreams, which he did at the beginning of chapter 37, and then he does in chapter 39. Just because you're in prison doesn't mean to say you can't use your gift. Okay, so Joseph shows us these things. So, so what does this mean for our church family? Well, what I've been doing these past three or four weeks is, is showing you like a picture or a glimpse of what this might look like and what we're working towards. And I, and I want to do that because I think it's really important that we, we've got a, um, at least a vague roadmap towards the future or at least a mile marker we're looking out for. And so what that looks like, if I could get the, the ushers, the host team to hand out the vision cards, you're going to need to look at those shortly. But I want to show you this. So I just want to remind you that this is the vision of our church. If you're a visitor or you haven't been here lately or you just need reminding, this statement at the top is the vision statement for our church. It is our vision. It's our dream. It's our hope to reach a thousand people a week with the message of God's truth. Amen, you could say. That would be really good for Te Awamudu if we did that. Now, we're not going to fit them all in here, which is why we're working on the media streaming. And there are people right now watching our message on the live stream. There are people that, hundreds of people that consume our messages over the course of a month using our app. So we're working towards that, but it's our hope, it's our vision that what we do leads towards that. 
and that we would do that well. And there are some strategies for that. But that's the vision statement of our church. So we can get those vision cards handed out to everybody. That would be really, really good. Just dish them out. Uh, This would be then the mission statement of our church. So it is our mission. What is it that we do? It is our mission to activate community transformation. We want to change the environment that we live in. It's not just about the people that come inside the building. That's one aspect you can see there. But it's about the community. It's about the social needs of our community. It's about building enterprise that empowers people in their God-given purpose to change the environment that we all live in. We believe in Jeremiah 29 verse 7 when God says to the prophet, pray for the prosperity of the place that I have called you to live in. We believe in that, and we pray for the success of Te Awamuru and Waipa. We pray that businesses in this town will do well. We pray that Fonterra does well, that the farmers do well. We believe in this, and in doing that, we believe that we invite ourselves into a place where we can connect with people. That's what Operation Christmas Love is all about, reaching out to touch people in some kind of practical way in which they would then say, Tell me why you do this. We love people until they ask why. So what's a couple of things that I could show you that would, uh, would describe vision just for this week? And remember, I'm only doing one little thing each week. So this is a small part of the big picture, but I haven't got time to go through everything each week. So today I wanted just to talk about the strategy for developing people. It's one of the ways that we want to build um, the pathway into our vision. And so what I'm going to talk about with regards to this, and this is just brand new in my head, so no one else has seen this, is I think we should call that stronger. Because God's asked us to make the local church stronger, that that, that the church would go and be the mission field, that uh, missionaries in in the field, that the church in Indonesia would be the ones that see salvation in Indonesia. It's about making people stronger. And uh, I was talking to my family about this last night, and I won't go into it, but there's some, some stuff brewing here. But there's three different things that we have talked about with regards to developing people. The first one, Ashley talked about this last week, is night school that's starting next year. We're taking School of the Spirit, which we've been doing for three years. We're writing a ministry curriculum, which will be launched in 2020. But in 2019, we're offering it to you as the church family and also the local community as night school. Ten nights over ten months. You can come along to classes. You can subscribe online to, to information. You can complete your assessments. And you can work on this program we're calling A Journey Home. And if you grab one of the registration and information cards, it's got a little code on it. You can check out our website where there's a description of what we're going to do there. We're building the modules that's going to be teaching and activation and transformation, just like we normally do in School of the Spirit. We're incredibly excited about this. We're pouring resource into this as a church because we believe that God's called us to make the local church stronger. And one of the ways we do that is to disciple people, and that's what this looks like. So we're looking to invest in that. We're looking for you to help us in that. This is a new picture, and uh, I'm not going to... uh, Uh, go into it, the details, but this is an example of a Bible school building we want to build in Indonesia. We've got an opportunity um, to extend the work we do in Indonesia to disciple the students who will be the future church leaders in Indonesia. There's currently a Bible school that meets in a small um, church building, but they can't can't extend themselves because of uh, restrictions on their resources. But for under $15,000, we can buy a piece of land right next to the church, 
And for $80,000 approximately, we could build this three-story building that has three classrooms, dormitory for 30 students, and apartments for the tutors that go and teach. We could have 30 students a year graduating through the Bible school in Indonesia as future church leaders because we choose to partner with them. This is the kind of thing that God's stirring us to consider and to, to, to reach out and invite others to be part of that. You know, like, I'd love for us to do it on our own as a church, but that's well beyond what we've ever done before. Does that mean it's impossible? No. But we've got to strengthen ourselves together to be part of that. And this third one, just lastly, I want to show you is something that we're really excited about. This is called Deeper. This is us taking School of the Spirit to other churches for a one-day event where we help them as churches to go deeper in the things of God. We teach them and activate them and have a day with them where we can really stretch them in the things that we consider to be normal apostolic life, life of the Spirit. And I'm really excited about this, going in to the other places and, and working on that with relationships. But to do this, we need your partnership. That's why we're handing out these vision cards. It's why we've been talking about receiving pledges and commitments for vision for the church because we've decided we're sowing into it and we want you to be part of it. The way that God's kingdom works in finances is that we all choose to sacrifice ourselves for God's agenda. And you get to choose how you do that. I don't tell you what the formula is. You listen to God, you follow His lead, and usually that means stepping out in faith and seeing Him meet you in that place of need. We've got testimonies of God's provision as people have made faith pledges, and then God's answered the ability for them to meet that pledge. We've had people give sacrificially out of their resources. We've had people um, come to us saying, look, I think this is what God's invited me to do, and we stand with them and, and pray with them in that. But it's about us doing it together, about us doing this together. And so through the course of this morning, I invite you to consider filling out your pledge card. We'll put the um, silver thingy over at the front here. And when you're ready, afterwards, you can just drop it in there so that we know what we're doing. But I think I posted this week, we're already um, in excess of $22,000 pledged or given for our vision offering so far. And I'm looking to wind that up. Yeah, come on, you can say amen to that. All glory to God for what he's doing. All glory to God for what he's doing through his church as we do this together. Let's look at Joseph. Joseph was attacked. Joseph was accused. And Joseph had his destiny aborted. You can read the story, Genesis 37, and then 39 through 41. You can read that story this week, and you'll see a roller coaster of a life journey that Joseph went through. Joseph was beaten, he was thrown in a hole. Joseph was sold as a slave. He was wrongly accused of sexual misconduct. He was put in prison and ignored and abandoned. Those that promised him things forgot their promise and he stayed there longer. Prison is not a comfortable place when you're in Egypt. And yet he was holding on in hope, I believe, to the promises God gave him and the mandate of the multicolored coat even though that coat probably hung in his father's bedroom, covered in an animal's blood, as his father believed, Joseph was dead. But I think what I want us to get out of that is not so much the downer, but the recognition that in all things, God is working. In all things, God is working. 
and you read Genesis chapter 50, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, where his brothers finally come and confess and apologize and humble themselves before him, as Joseph's first dream showed. And he says, don't worry, I will not harm you, for what you meant in harm to me, God intended for good. And he has brought about the redemption of our nation through it. God is always working. But we've got to understand this. That's Joseph's story, and this is our story. We've got to be prepared for the attack that comes on the destiny we carry. The devil will try and steal the destiny that you're carrying. And the way that he does that is he attacks you. He attacks your circumstances, and this is where it gets personal. As we're a family, it's really important that we speak as a family would speak. It's really important that we're vulnerable, that we're honest, that we also understand and have compassion towards one another. And this morning, there's, there's something that I, I need to share with you. And I've, I've scripted it for myself, and I'm going to read it so that I get through it. But I want you to listen. Last weekend, the Strong family were under considerable duress. We were deeply affected And some of you noticed this while you were at church last week. Those of us that were here were credibly upset about an attack that's coming against the destiny against one of our children. So our son, Hohepa, who's Grace's boyfriend, many of you know him. Hohepa was under considerable distress, and as a result of that distress, he ended up and remains in hospital. The truth is, the devil is trying to steal his destiny. I'm happy to tell you that he's now safe. He's been in hospital this week, and he's going to remain there because he's recovering from surgery and will have extensive rehab that he'll need to undergo on his leg. Grace, our daughter, has been under considerable distress as a result of this situation, as has the rest of our family, including those that our extended table includes. It's been a really, really, really tough week. Now, this young man, Hoipa, has a story to tell, just like the story of Joseph. It's his story to tell, not mine. And when he's ready, he'll tell the story. But this morning, it was important for me to let you know that the Strong family are having a hard time. The point this morning is to be vulnerable and acknowledge that our Situation is incredibly challenging, but I also want to make a moment here to acknowledge that it's not an isolated situation. Just to acknowledge that whilst we are going through tough times, I also want to acknowledge others are too. And in this pausing moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite anyone else who feels like they are under attack or they're under duress or they're under distress or struggling, all I want to do is is invite you to stand where you are. I'm not going to do anything more than just pause to acknowledge. Because I think it's really important that we see, validate, and acknowledge the wider church family. So in this minute, before I carry on, I just wanted to take a chance 
to acknowledge families in our community that feel like they're struggling. We're family. It's important that we know this. It's really important that each of us that are struggling also recognize we're not alone, that we're validated as being part of a family, and that those of us that are not standing recognize that sometimes life doesn't go well for everyone. And it's important that we know that as a family. Thank you, people. You may, you may sit down. We are going to do that, Chris. Amen, 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 amen. That is a great example of what we should do. And someone in our family is under distress. Because I want to I make sure that I'm really, really clear on what we believe in regards to how a family should respond in a crisis or distress. This is something that is like, called life. And Joseph had a journey, I've got a journey, you've got a journey. Many families here are currently in a challenging season. There are right ways to respond and there are wrong ways to respond. When you think about something, um, when you think about something like mental health, or unwellness in that area, it's, it's not black and white. It's not just one formula and you push four buttons and the problem's fixed. It's, it's a challenge, and it's a, something you've got to weave through, and it's, 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 it's just not as easy as work, working out four steps. You think about physical um, issues. They also are not just A plus B equals C. So we've got to be careful that we walk as family, but that we walk carefully. The other thing that's really important to acknowledge, and we've certainly experienced it this week as a family, is it's kind of like someone dropped a pebble in the pond and the ripples just keep going out. Yesterday we had visit from um, some of Kathy's family because even though they're in Auckland, they feel the effects of what's happening to us. And they made a point of spending the day with us to come close to us because the ripples have reached them. We've got to understand that this does affect the family. 
when people are in a distressed state, there's an immediate circle that are closest, and that immediate circle are the ones that should help them to function, should help them to stay safe, and should help them to find the solution that's relevant for that situation, considering there are a range of situations in the family. There's a phrase that Eugene used this week as we sat and spoke, and I think it's really relevant here. He said this. He said, there's a difference between wrapping around someone and inserting yourself into their situation. Wrapping around can look like practical help, can look like meal train. And we've had wonderful gifts of meals as a family this week. Thank you. It looks like intercessory prayer, which means you getting on your knees in your prayer closet and lifting up your family. Could include sending a card. Some of you have done that. It includes making a meal, mowing lawns. You can do mine. And it includes, in some cases, dropping children at school or kindergarten or picking them up. And I know that that's been happening, not in our situation, though. As a church family, we can and we should wrap ourselves around the circumstances that are happening. But we must be very, very careful that we do not insert ourselves when it's not appropriate. Sometimes, well-meaning people cause problems. And I have to say that because some of the situations that are in this church are extremely delicate. So please operate in wisdom. As a church leadership, we're working on something we call a pathway to safe love. And it's our pastoral care model, and we are under advisement on how that should be structured. Even for preparing for this morning, I have taken advice from professional experts to make sure that I am equipped to bring the message I need to. But we are very careful about how we implement these things. We're also very, very careful to make sure we're connected with the professional channels that are available for all kinds of support. As you leave today on the counter in the foyer, there will be some brochures available for people who want to learn how to connect with professional help or how to um, perhaps um, understand what, what, uh, what, uh, what needs can be met or even just answers to some questions that someone like me couldn't answer. There's resource numbers, there's text lines, there's help available uh, for all people. But I just want to summarize this before I move on to say this. I want everyone to feel safe in our family because tough times come. I also want us to operate within safe boundaries as a family because that's also important. But I also want each one of you to feel that you can be empowered to be part of this family because I also know how tough it is to feel helpless. There's a couple of times this week I've felt helpless. It's tough. So just very, very quickly so I can move on. One of the things that is a saying we have here is that we love fiercely. And what that means is that we fight for those we love. That can be practical. It can be prayerful. But let's love fiercely. Let's not give up. Let's not walk away. Let's not ignore and the main reason I wanted others to stand this morning alongside us is for us to realize that there are widespread needs already in our church family. 
We must wrap around in prayer. Please continue to uphold our church family in prayer. We're going to have a time for prayer at the end of the service because that is part of the solution. Please also respect privacy. If you have questions or you want to send messages of help, please do that through the church office at this time. It's a channel that we can use to manage the flow uh, and, and also to help people because we've also got to allow space for grief. You know, this week we've been learning about grief as a family and grief is really just that, 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 that journey of emotion you go through when something's shifted, something's changed. And, and, um, and that's, you need space for that. And even in our family, you know, I'm having to learn that I can't fix it for each person. I have to wait to shut my mouth at times. And I have to allow each person in my family to grieve the way that they need to grieve. It's really important as a family, church family, that we identify solutions so that people don't stay in problems, but that we support them to walk through them. And lastly, if I could just finish with this one, compassion. You know, Jesus so often was moved with compassion. What is compassion? I believe it's a God-given burden to love someone, however that looks. So please, move in compassion. This, this, this afternoon, or sorry, this morning, we are, I have organized a, a special prayer team that will be available after the service to pray for individuals uh, or families that would like prayer today. This is really important. We understand there are practical things going on, but we're also in a spiritual battle. We are in a battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and an enemy of our soul that is seeking to destroy or steal the destiny that rests on the lives of people in this church. We must be prepared for the attack that comes on the destiny we carry. And there's an attack on us because of the vision we carry. So for those of you that like titles for messages, I, I, I came up with this during the week. We have a mandate, and that means we have a war. We, we, we absolutely believe that God has given us a multicolored mandate as a church that is leading us into the dreams he has for this town. It is our mandate that we do not deny and we will not avoid, but the result of us walking in that mandate is that we will need to fight a war. We must remember in this space, though, our coat of many colors. We must remember our identity as God's children. We must remember that we are sons and daughters of God Most High, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that we walk in the authority of the kingdom that He purchased for us and gave to us as our gift. We must stand under the mandate He's given us. And we must fight. So I'm saying this. Time to declare war on the enemy of our souls. This is what Chris meant when he stood up and said we need to stand and pray and declare and fight. To read scripture. To cause offense against the enemy that comes in opposition. It's time for us to get up every morning and put on our armor as per Ephesians chapter 6 and walk into the battle and say, not on my watch, devil. (laughs) 
you've got to sound like you believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Stepping in for families who are not here. But I'm calling, I'm calling you up and I'm calling you out. What does that look like? There's a story I want to tell you, and I'm going to finish with a story. You can read about it, but God took me to the story during the week, and he just, you know what? He used the story as an encouragement to me to say, you're going to win the battle. Genesis chapter 14, Abraham's living under a tree with a large collection of people, and his um, adopted son, actually his nephew, but his adopted son Lot is living in uh, Sodom and gets um, taken captive by a whole lot of uh, foreign kings. And news comes to Abraham. And what I want us to note is what he does. It's in the story what happens. The first thing we notice in verse 13 is it says that all those that were living under the tree were with him. Traditional translation actually says they were allied with Abraham. It's really important you don't miss that. What that actually means in the traditional language is that they were possessors of the covenant. It's really important for us. For those of you that are part of our church family, you'll know we speak about covenant connection all the time. We believe God's bound us in covenant as family. It's him that's called us to walk together and that we shouldn't violate that covenant. These people were living under the tree with Abraham when he heard the call and they were possessors of the covenant with Abraham. What does that mean? We're in this together. You're not alone. And praise God, I'm not alone. They were allied together. Verse 14, I want to point this out. It says, Abraham heard what happened to Lot. He rallied the war cry and he pursued the enemy. So what happened this week? I heard what was going on. Well, I experienced it. What am I doing now? I'm rallying the cry to the family. There's going to be a war. And we are going to go after the devil who's trying to steal our destiny. Today, I'm declaring war on the enemy. What happened next? Abraham organized his troops. Now, this is so fresh and so raw, I haven't had time to organize it. But I'm going to. God said to me, we got a plan, and I'm going to show you what it is as you guys get together and pray about this. I'm confident that he knows what he's going to do. We're going to rally the troops. We're going to come into alignment. We're going to get organized as a family of an army, and we're going to go and pursue that which has been stolen. Does that sound like a good idea? Does that sound what the people of God are supposed to do? Is that what we're going to do together? Come on. You've got to believe this. You've got to get stirred up by this. You've got to understand you're part of this. You're part of our family. You're part of God's answer. This year we've come through breakthrough. I got a word this morning, Psalm 66, as I was sitting there from verse 3. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God. 
It starts here. It starts today. Come on, people. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Amen. This year I've been talking about breakthrough, walking into the promise. I've been harping on about it. But what you've got to understand is when the people of God walked into the promised land, they had battles to fight, to possess the promise. What was the very first battle that they faced in the promised land after they crossed the river? Please tell me. Jericho. What was their strategy to defeat Jericho? Praise and worship. That's right. They marched together in unity. So I can promise you, even though I don't know the specifics, our solution is going to look something like that. We will come together in unity and we will march. If I get Kaylee to come and join me, that would be awesome. The final verse in this is verse 16. What I love about this story and the reason God showed it to us that he's given it to us as a gift is that Abraham pursued so that he could what? He could recover what was stolen and bring it back to the family. Lot was retrieved and restored. What's the point of me saying that? The point is we are going to rally together as a family. We're going to fight as a family however God shows us to. And the result of that is we are going to recover those things that have been stolen. Come on. Amen. There's an attack on our family. And we've got to respond to it. We are going to respond to it. We've got to walk in the mandate that God's given us that's full of promise, full of destiny. And the vision is just part of that. One of the ways you can stop the devil dragging you away from the vision is to fill in the vision card. Because where your money is, your heart is. But your, your heart follows your money. It's just the way it works. And if you want to break some kind of opposition that you're experiencing in our vision, is just give a little bit. It fixes your heart. Fill in the card. Be faithful. Be obedient. Be part of what we're doing. And as we call out the war cry for our family, stand and fight alongside your brothers and sisters. I'm going to close this service now. I want you to stand with me. I encourage you to prayerfully consider what I've shared this morning. The mandate that God's given us as a church, we've got to choose to walk in it. Maybe for you, you feel insecure and uncertain. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not really sure if I'm good enough to walk in that. God says, I am the one who calls you good enough to walk in the mandate that I'm giving you. Maybe you're feeling like you're being tested, you're being challenged, you're being attacked. God says today, I have put you in a family for a reason. Because when you are weak, they will carry you. When you are under attack, they will protect you. When you are watching someone, your responsibility is to stand with them when they're here or when they're not here. Church, we've got to respond as a family. This morning, I need to make space for prayer. Because I'm well aware that sometimes talking about these things stirs it up. And if you're feeling challenged and you want someone to pray with you, then I've organized a prayer team to be down the front here. They're going to have red tags on, and they are the ones that we've empowered today to be part of the prayer ministry. So if you want prayer, we're going to leave the music going. Katie's going to play, and we're going to open up what we call the front of the church, the altar, for you to bring your burden to Jesus and to give it to Him this morning. I'm going to officially close the service by praying for you. But please also be respectful 
after I've done that of what may be happening here. Maybe if you're not up the front, you can be sitting in your seat praying for those that are. Interceding, praying, caring for with compassion. If you have children at Zone, don't forget to get them. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you that though we come under challenge and opposition and duress, that you are with us. God, we declare that you have good things for us as a family and that the, the, the journey is just part of our transition into the promise. Lord, this morning I speak a blessing over every family member, those here and those who are not here. I pray that each family member would know the richness of your love that you have for them. They'd also know the richness of the love that we have for them. They would know the certainty of the covenant that Jesus has prepared for us to walk and live in, that we are bound together by His strength, His victory, His righteousness, and His grace that will be sufficient in all circumstances. I release over this church family the safety and protection of God's mighty army of angels. The Lord of heaven's host is saying this today, that He's commissioning an army to protect us. As we worship Him in our prayer and in our lifestyle, as He is lifted up, He says, I will fight on your behalf. So Lord, would that promise today rest in our spirit? Would it give us peace? Would it give us confidence in you? And would it give us hope that we will see you win the victory? Lord, I bless this family in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So right now, if I can get my prayer team to come and stand up the front, if you have a need for prayer, if you'd like someone to stand with you, then we have been preparing for today for this reason. Come and stand with one of these pairs of people and we'll make sure that you have someone that prays with you. Don't wait. There might end up being a queue. It's okay. If you're not coming forward, then please just be respectful of what's happening. May God bless you over this week. Thank you for joining us in prayer. Thank you. For those of you that will be with us on Wednesday, God bless you. I look forward to being with you again on Saturday at the Working Bee and on Sunday as we come together and worship with God. God bless you, church. Amen.